0: What I remember my dad for though, isn't missing time with him when I was five years old. I, I, I remember, you know, as a kid, you only remember stuff that like, like matters. You know what I mean? So yeah, maybe it sucked for my dad not seeing me when I was five, but my memory of him, not once did I ever think about, gosh, he was at the high school working on football 70 hours a week. Yeah, you know what I mean?
1: Same token could go for everyone, though. I think everybody that is an entrepreneur, and what is an entrepreneur? In my definition is a creator, someone who creates something and brings something to the marketplace that either provides value or solves a problem. And um, a lot of times, people don't realize that being an entrepreneur, much like getting a, you know, a medical degree to become a physician or a surgeon or a dentist or orthodontist or an attorney. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs, and it's a lot of hard work. The only difference is, is that you don't have this game plan. Like, you don't have a four-year education and then another four-year education and then another two years or whatever where everything is laid out for you and all you have to do is just put in the work, study hard, and maybe make some connections along the way, have the financial backing or get loans or whatever. But for the most part, like, it's pretty mapped out. Like, if you want to become a an MD, you want to be just a general physician, like, Here's what you have to do. It's, you know, it's been written. But an entrepreneur who wants to either solve a problem, bring value, or build something, um, there is no, like, real game plan. Like, the only thing that you can learn are from people that have done it before. And you can, you know, beg, borrow, and steal to be able to learn from them, uh, whether it be directly, whether it be through their books, through their courses, through mentorship programs, whatever. It's not easy. And so my question to you is, like, how did you becoming as successful as you are? How did you? How were you able to mitigate like the highs and the lows and the pitfalls and and the failure and the you know? I'm sure you've had some people along the way like, dude, like what are you doing? How are you? Don't you want to go figure something else out? Like you you just it's not working for you. Like how were you able to repel all of the the the, the, the negative talk and how were you able to keep going and in, in pursuit of you know finding this success no matter what you were just persevering and you just knew in the back of your mind that you wanted to do it what was yeah. your men's mindset throughout the whole thing i know that's a loaded question it's a big <laughs> question but but i think it's really important and it's a great way to start off this conversation
0: sure yeah i think um you know there there's different levels of risk an entrepreneur takes okay if you're bringing something new to the market that's not currently there um, and you, you not only came up with this idea or you invented this product or, or whatever, and it's just brand new. You gotta go find that audience and you gotta really create that audience and um, educate the consumer on, on why it makes sense for them. And that's a little different business to business or business to direct to consumer. Um, you know, then there's another kind of entrepreneur where they're working in corporate America and they're doing a job, like say um, they're a mechanical engineer or they work for an architectural firm, and they feel like, gosh, I could go do this myself. I could start my own firm doing this and offering these services because this service is something that, really, they're just buying from me. I'm doing it as a representative of this company I work for, but, gosh, it's really just me. Well, for them, they know that that audience is there, but their risk then is leaving their job in corporate America, and if they're good at what they do, let's say that's well into the six figures. That job, you know, you know, relatively to whatever kind of occupation we're talking about, you know, plug in, plug in whatever number makes sense. Um, for me to answer your question, it was me working for an insurance giant, okay, and I was making very good income, and my risk was walking away from that job and going to a zero-dollar paycheck. To um, saying, hey, I could do this on my own, and I could get these same types of clients doing the exact same thing, but my upside's substantial. My downside is pretty clear. I'm walking away from a great job. I got an area vice president title, and shoot, I'm only twenty-seven years old. Look at me, you know? Wow, my parents are happy. Look at this. I got a four hundred one k. I'm doing all this. Are you crazy, Dan? You're 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 an up and comer. You're a superstar over there. Why would you leave that job and that career path to go do your own thing? And then you you got that feeling. And then you also got everybody around you that's been brainwashed. All of your colleagues there are buying in, they're drinking that same Kool-Aid that you've been drinking, that you're trying not to drink because you have this idea. You'll never be able to get those same kinds of clients. You're never gonna get that large or middle market account to come work with you they're going to see all these resources. They're going to want to see that you've been in business for a hundred years. They're going to want to see that you're publicly that you work that, that your your company's publicly traded. I said, well, well, why though? Why why does it matter? When I'm the one doing the consulting, I'm the one developing these products, and I'm the one bringing them these services. Um. So so for me, it was really a calculated risk. Mo, it was saying, gosh, I I, I don't need to have. A thousand clients to make 200 grand personally one day when my company is making tens of millions, I only need a small chunk to replace that 200 grand. Okay, I need that small chunk to replace that money. And I, by the way, I don't even know why I said 200 grand, I was making like 140 at the time. To replace that, I only need four good accounts. That's all I need. All right, now one day maybe when i'm 50 if i stay there i'm going to be making 300 400 grand because i'll get those little raises and i'll you know start writing stuff and my commissions will go up but uh i can make that really quickly just with 10 or 12 accounts right now on my own don't worry those 10 or 12 accounts aren't ever going to go to you well what i found was that they did go to me you know I, i took that risk i dove into it Um, got those accounts, relatively quickly replaced that, and then then an, an amazing thing happened. You know, year four, well, sometime between year three and year five. Here, chugging away, chugging away, you know, so if this was my salary back then, I left, goes to zero, chugging away, chugging away, somewhere around year one and a half, I'm about the same. And then right around that year three, four, five, we start going like this. And not only did that keep going like that, substantially at a very similar, um, I guess you would call it a slope. <laughs> I've never really characterized it like that before. Um, not only that, I'm also building wealth. So, so not only are my paychecks are, I'm also building wealth because I've, I've built equity in something that I own a hundred percent of that I could sell one day on top of it. So, um, you know, when, when, when you sit, when you, when I say I have a calculate, did a calculated risk. All right. Look at what that upside is. Okay. And for me, my safety net was being like, hey, man, you know, you're, you're if, you, if you can't do this, go back to corporate America. Hey, you tried. I had that safety net. I knew those jobs would still be there. Um, so you probably got a lot of entrepreneurs, Mo, that are listening to your, to your show right now that um, are taking a very different kind of risk. But you also probably got some people that have some kind of glorified side hustle over here. That's in something totally different than what their real career path is. Those people in that career path, I think, really could learn a lot from me on on um, on um, you know the, the the model for success.
1: I love that, and it's it's such a direct approach, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we all have this idea, we romanticize about, oh, I can create anything, and and the 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 romanticism comes from like you know the the thing that we could eventually achieve and yet we don't focus on like what what are the things that we're doing daily that are consistent repetitive not glamorous you know it's 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 not romantic it's nothing that is really something that you would create a movie around, right? It's, it's like, dude, you're just, you have to put in the work and you just got to keep going and you got to pivot when things don't, you know, don't work and, and make those, uh, make those distinctions and be able to make those adjustments on the fly. So I, I, appreciate that, uh, about you. I, I think that, um, I think that what's also interesting, man, is you, you have like, you have this like no bullshit, like aura about you which i vibe with very very much Crazy. um i can't tell you how many times i've spoken to people that you know have found tremendous success in their life but it's like i people don't want to hear people don't want to hear like the, the the beauty that you are that you have achieved now at the tail end of things and how your life is beautiful like people want to see and hear the struggle i think that's where that's where people are are really yearning for because they want to know what it's like and they want to know that what they're going through right now. Like I just had this guy send me a message, I don't know, last podcast, so two weeks ago. Not last podcast, about three, four podcasts ago. And he asked me a question and he's like, I, I'm i struggling with keeping my head above water, working working contract jobs doing anything I possibly can to make sure that the bills are paid and that we've got food on the table. And it's like every day I feel like I'm going against the grain and I can see my wife and I can see my friends and I can see my family just luring over my shoulder, looking at me with discontent and just what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) You know what I mean? And this is basically this was I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of like what he was asking. I'm like, I don't know if this is something I should continually pursue. Yep. Yep. You know, so like, yep. what would what would you say to somebody like that? And maybe he's listening. And if not, I'll definitely respond to this question with with a clip of this video.
0: I, I gotta tell you, man. I, I, here's what I'm gonna tell you. All right, um, I, I have a, a, a phrase where I say, "Don't take dieting advice from a fat guy." Yeah. Don't go ask some fat guy what his best diet plan is. All right. Think about this. You wouldn't, would you? You uh, ask some guy that's obese how how, how to lose weight. No, okay? Maybe to find out what not to do. Don't let outsiders influence you that have never started a business, <laughs> that have never started a company, okay? Whether it's your parents, whether it's your brother, whether it's your 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 girlfriend, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to, to let them influence you. Go talk to people that have actually done it. And what's the sad part about this is, is, is if you were in a situation like I was in, in corporate America, okay, where, where everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid, hey, this company we work for is awesome, look at us, look at us, we're awesome, you're going to get, hey hey, man, your buddy that you go to lunch with every day and happy hours with once a week, hey, what do you think of this? You know, He, he could never tell you it's a good idea because that means he's wrong unless you're lucky enough to find someone with the exact same mindset, but you got to remember no one has that mindset. That's why they work there in the first place. You know what I mean? So, so, you know, you, you, I'll just go ahead and say, because you drop this, who the fuck are they? Yeah. Like, who, who cares? What, what would their advice matter except to, to maybe do the opposite? Okay? Because that's not what you're trying to do, man. So you could talk yourself into or out of anything, keep talking to those people, and you're going to be very, very well talked out of it if you let it influence you.
1: All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's just like, get rid of that noise, no matter where it's coming yeah. from. Otherwise, it's only going to bring you down. It's like you got to create this 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 wall, this barricade around you. That's right. You know, otherwise, you could be the strongest person in the world. Like, if that wall is made out of concrete and it just keeps closing in, I don't think you could bust through. Yep, that's right. Um, so let's switch gears just quickly. I, I'm um, I'm a big advocate of discipline, and I I feel like a lot of discipline is fermented in sports or in sport, yeah. whether it be martial arts, football, basketball, soccer, doesn't matter. I feel like yeah. discipline, if you want to be an incredible player, uh, an incredible teammate, an incredible fighter, like you have to have some sort of some form of discipline to be able to get you to that point. So I, I want to ask, like, do you feel like, uh, you know, in your college days and your football days, do you feel like you, um, you, you developed a core discipline and and if so, what what was like your number one thing that kept you going, and the number one thing that was like pulling you away from it?
0: Yeah, um, definitely a work ethic. So so I played football at both Notre Dame and uh, Northwestern University. Um, started at tight end at both institutions, um, and uh, even if I wasn't the starter, even if I was the eighth string. Um, walk walk on on the team. To be on those teams, you you need to have discipline. You're showing up on time, you're not leaving early, and you're working your rear rear end off. And I'll tell you what, man, I, I didn't really know it at the time, but now I look back at my life and it was definitely translatable. I had a couple hiring managers in my first jobs out of college that that wow, I love that you're an athlete. I love that you played football. I I love that you played college sports. We look for that, and I, I didn't really I didn't really understand why. Um, as I look back now, older, it, it's 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 so clear. It, it's so clear. Um, I mean, I remember situations, you know, you know, getting into the office at seven in the morning, where I'm the only one there, and it's four thirty p.m. on a Friday. Guess what? It's me and maybe the boss are there. And it's like, you know, I, I just didn't understand it. And I, I kind of wondered, are, are people not motivated to make money? I, I didn't, because it was a sales job for me. I was like, I'm like, i gonna work as much as I can. I'm gonna come in on the weekends. I was motivated to make money. Um, so I think some people might be motivated or, or want money, but they don't, they don't have that, that work ethic um, um, to do it. I'll I'll never forget a situation. Um, the, the the I was in a sales environment for my first job out of college and um often we would have to wait for our home office in denver colorado to get back to us with um you know uh they would the underwriters were were located there i won't get into the details it's kind of boring for insurance but the underwriters were there they had to get back to us with numbers after they reviewed the financials before we could go out with a proposal and sometimes the stuff just took longer than necessary and you know, I'd hear, okay, well, don't, don't be mean to your underwriters because, you know, then they might, uh, what, I go, wait, don't mean mean to the other underwriters, like at a personal level, like they're, they're not going to, they're going to screw me over, wait, we all work for the same company, we're trying to get this, I'm on the front lines, what, who cares if me and that underwriter get along, well, you know, you learn over time, okay, <laughs> this isn't college football, <laughs> not, everybody, not everybody's operating this way, and, and I'll never forget it, I went to a home office tour, and um you know i was friendly to everybody and and you know whatever but uh there was a birthday party going on in in the room next to us and i'll just never forget like watching all the underwriters like you know celebrating this party like eating their cake and it's going on for like two hours and i'm like okay I this would never have happened in our sales office it's like it's not it's like a what is this so um, you know, part, part of it, part of it, Mo was, was really a learning experience for me that that I was wired a little bit differently, and and it was probably around that time that I, that I kind of had an, an epiphany. You know what I mean? That hey, listen, I'm doing a lot more than anyone else at this thing. Um, it helps out that I was pretty talented at the at the um, career path I chose. Um, you know, and the combination of those two things, I think really, really put me in a position to prosper. So I I realized that when I was probably about 25, 26 years old.
1: Yeah. And that's big, uh, which kind of, actually I was thinking about this as you were talking, you seemed like a very, very self-aware person. Like you knew who you were at a very young age, at least, at least enough to be able to identify certain things. And that, that's huge. I think self-awareness is like the, the, the superpower I think if you understand who you are what your weaknesses are what your strengths are um, you can modify and you can adjust and you can pivot and you can create something for yourself or create something out of yourself and that, that's phenomenal were you always that way or was it your experiences you think that kind of brought you to that point of life where you, you didn't even realize that you were
0: self-aware you just knew you, you know what's funny about that um that that's thank you for that characterization by the way but but I, I think I was aware of it always, but it took me a second for each level. Okay? Yeah. So when I was on this level, hey, I could be in that management level one day. And then, you know, if I ever get to that level, hey, I could be in that, you know, regional manager level one day. You know what I mean? I would always look that one level ahead. And, and even now, okay, I'm in, I'm in venture capital. And you know you, you you get into this. I had a big exit in insurance, and I decided to become a venture capitalist and do other things that we could talk about later or whatever. I don't want to digress this conversation, but but um, when I got into it, I kind of like almost like come across a little self-deprecating at least, but not on purpose. It was because I truly wanted to learn everything happening around me, and then after I did, after I've learned, and I'm still learning. Don't get me wrong, you know. Uh, wait a minute. I'm I, this guy that I'm learning from. I could do this better than him, I, and I have more resources to do what he's doing better on top of it. And I'm, I'm. It turns out I'm pretty good at this too. You know what I mean? So, so, so it's like that awareness happens when it's you know when that epiphany hits so so i don't i don't walk into it with with that awareness i like you know you used to talk about medical doctors earlier okay there's nothing in my mind that tells me i could go be a neurosurgeon right now there is not right. one thing right well, who knows if i went into that field i mean i kind of doubt i could ever be a neurosurgeon but <laughs> let's just use that as an example if i did you know maybe i would end up at the university of chicago as a neurosurgeon who who knows i i i don't I need something to happen in those experiences to get me there. But once it clicks, man, it, it, it clicks for me.
1: Can I ask you a technical question? Sure. So the average audience I would say is between twenty four and thirty-four. Okay. Uh, predominantly male. Okay. Um, I think like sixty nine percent or seventy percent male. And this is the this is something that I always get. Asked, and I think you're the perfect person to ask since you're in, I guess, finance. Would it be technically finance? Um, um like kind of. <laughs>
0: I'm, 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 think about Shark Tank. I'm like one of the like Shark so tanks So, so
1: you're 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 an investor, and and you you've 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 utilized, used, managed, and you just understand money. Is I guess the the thing that I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, and I would say I understand business more though. I, I, okay. Um, Yep. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll invest in startups, that, that early stage venture capital that yeah. I feel like I could not only put money into to help elevate, I could also bring some guidance to the table or my network or other resources to the table that, that would help that organization. so straight up
1: Shark Tank. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Versus later venture capitalists, later stage venture capitalists or even private equity firms. Those are the types of people that will have the true MBA like um, finance backgrounds where where with what I'm doing, you you don't really need that background, but it's still, I I don't know where you were going with your question, but it's still very important just to understand money and understand, you know, like what makes sense and doesn't make sense. If you can't understand that, it's very, it's very difficult.
1: Yeah, I guess. So uh, yeah, that 100%. So this is, this is my question. Um, And it's not my question is a question that I get asked quite often um, and I'm paraphrasing, but what, if 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 I wanted to start a business right now, I'm speaking on behalf of the people that have asked this question, if I want to start a business right now and I have no like no seed money, like the money that I'm making is basically paying for my
0: livelihood yep what would you do <laughs> yeah I get that I get asked that a lot as as well. Um, it's really going to depend on the idea okay. okay. So so I'll use myself as an example. I worked for an insurance company. I decided to start an insurance company. In that process it was consulting and brokeraging, where we didn't have to have a lot of money behind us to go and get these clients. You could just go in and you get commissions or fees. Um, either commissions from the vendors or fees from the clients, and I was just doing um, um, mid-sized groups, which, and I, I developed a niche with colleges and universities, which allowed me to prosper because I was the only one doing it. And I came up with it. Okay. So that money was going to be flowing in with my, you know, just, just, just by getting clients that that was what I did. You know what I mean? Starve until you start getting clients, then budget your life based on whatever revenue you had coming in. It was, was, was the position I was in there. Um, if you have an idea that requires capital and you need seed money, now you got a little bit of a problem. Okay. Now you you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have, you know, you you gotta go external. I'm going to tell you what though. Okay. I'm an early stage venture capitalist. I look at this stuff all the time. If you got an idea, that's like the one I just described, which is what I did like, or that kind of environment. And I'm not seeing any need. For you even to be raising money, then why the heck are you even talking to me? Just just go go live on a couch until until you figure it out. But if you can't make money, let's say you needed to buy, you want to start a logistics company, you want to buy eight trucks, okay, all right, well then you need seed money because you can't start making money until, until you own the trucks or or whatever. I'm sure there's workarounds for that for people that are out there in logistics. I'm not in logistics, but I'm just using it as an example here. Um, then you need to go outside and look around for that money. You could go to early stage venture capitalists like me. Um, People like us though, in that environment, are looking for some kind of, um, it's such an overused word and I hate it, but but looking for a unicorn, okay? We're looking for some kind of play where if I give you 300 grand right now for 10% of your company or whatever, guess what? I want that 300 grand to be worth at least 10 times that in five years. Okay? Um, And it better be a big idea. It better be a big idea. It better be some kind of technology or something that Amazon or Facebook or Motorola or someone like that is going to buy from us one day. Okay? Got it. If it's more like a, a logistics company where you just need capital. To to buy those trucks, um, and you're pretty certain because you have connections and a network to, and you, and you know the industry because because you've studied it or you've worked in it, um, where you just need say eighty grand to get down payments on the trucks that you own, and you know then you'll get clients and be able to operate. You, you don't want to be giving up equity in your company if you're in that environment. You you, you don't want to be, okay? Because what you want to do is get some type of bridge loan. All right. Go to like family and friends, even, and I know it's, I know that's easier said than done. Trust me, I never had to do it, but I have <laughs> family and friends that'll come to me, and it's like the last thing I want to do, especially when it's like you know real very close or even peripheral. And actually, I take that back. No one in my family has ever asked me for anything like that, but but friends for sure have. Um, you, you, you're just not in a um, you know, you you got to offer something to those people that makes sense for all parties. Okay. And for you, if you're going to plan on making a half a million dollars a year on this company, all right, and there's not going to be a big exit one day where you sell it to someone. It's really just to get there. And you can't get off the ground without this $80,000 to buy these trucks. All right. Do you want to give up half of your company? Hey, you give me 80 grand. We'll be 50, 50 partners. I'll operate it. you be the money man. That's great on paper, but what's going to happen is three or four years from now, you're making a half million dollars or the EBITDA of the company is half a million dollars. You're giving 250 to this guy over here that gave you 80 grand four years prior. Yeah, it's a good deal for him, man, but you're going to get kind of pissed off because you're 28 years old and plan on doing this the next 20 years. And, you know, how long is this going to go? Um, But you know what, though? Maybe that's fair. That was a fair deal for him. It's not a fair deal for you though, if, if, if um, you know if, if you play that out. So, so something that you might want to do, you get creative. Um, hey, I need eighty grand. Let me find four friends that'll give me twenty grand, and here's what I'm doing with the money. In two years, I'm going to give each each of you guys back thirty grand. So for that eighty grand, I've given up one hundred twenty grand in, in in two years. So you're limiting limiting their upside, okay? But guess what? You also have to limit their downside if you do that, or no one else no one's going to take that deal in a million years. All right. So maybe you have equity in a home, or probably your 24 year old audience probably doesn't. Um, Or maybe you have um, I don't know 401k money sitting there. But um, a situation like that, and this is just me talking, man. uh, I gotta tell you, you got to put some kind of personal guarantee on this thing where you're going to owe them at least that principal back. So, hey, you could, you could gain 50% in two years, worst case scenario, you know, I'll cap you where you only lose 10% if I go to zero and I'll put a personal guarantee on this and you'll be getting it from me over the years. Um, um, for that kind of situation, the other situations that have that huge upset to sell to Amazon one day, in that situation, you're dealing with investors like me where we understand we might lose all of that money, Okay.
1: Yeah. I think that's incredibly valuable. I, I always, I always tend to say like, you know, especially for like the, you know, the 30 year olds, the 40 year olds, you know, especially if they've been in like a, like a, a specific industry career, yeah. right? Like I always say like, why don't you build a business around something that you have knowledge around? Right. And like, you could literally do that for almost nothing. Like, what does it cool. take to register an LLC in your state? hundred bucks, 200 bucks? Exactly. Know, in computer, yeah. Internet, like start fucking making calls. Boom. You know, if, if if you know how to help people, if you know how to I don't know, like if if you are a writer and you can write beautifully and especially maybe you could write to sell stuff like, hey, go be a ghostwriter. Go start reaching yep. out to people like you. Like, hey, you probably have an immense knowledge, which, you know, this is teetering yep. towards your your book but uh you know I, I think that that's just something that is incredibly valuable yeah. um where where do people like what inspired you i guess first of all to write everything down in the first place secondly mm-hmm. um it it seems like a very practical how to book yeah yeah whereas a lot of that stuff is full of just fluff and nonsense
0: Right, right. You know. So my book here, uh, paid paid training. I wrote it actually in 2011. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and what's interesting about this book is I was still working, growing my insurance business. I didn't sell my company till 2015. All right. Wow. I, I started. I quit my job. Started my own company in 05. I wrote this in 2011. I ended up selling my company in 2015, but part of that deal was that I had to work at that company i sold it to for the next five years. Oh, shit. So anyone that's ever written a book or knows someone that wrote a book, no one's getting rich off selling books unless you're like, you know, writing Harry Potter or something. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. not, it's, you're not getting rich off selling books. It's, I'm not even promoting that. I mean, go buy it if you want, or just de- actually DM me on my Instagram. I'll send them to you for free. I'd rather do that than you know, the 75 cents I get when, when you buy one, but, but uh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, seriously do it. DM on my Instagram. Um, so what, 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 what's, what's interesting though, is that I was so laser focused on growing my insurance company. It was called Northwest comprehensive. And as a hobby on the side, I started putting my thoughts out on this and I'm like, you know what? I'm, there's people way farther along in their careers than I am to write a biography or a memoir type of thing. It just didn't make any sense. And that's not what I wanted to do. But could I use my own personal experiences as a guide for others? Okay. Um, that, that, that really for those people working in corporate America that, that are scared or, or don't know how to evaluate whether or not they should quit that job and go on their own. And you know what, Mo, I got to tell you, man'. It, it, at the time, it probably didn't feel this way, okay? Or maybe it felt this way at a subconscious level. But looking back now, I was motivated because I wasn't getting the respect in my industry, from my industry colleagues and peers that worked at much larger um, much larger organizations but I was making literally 10, 20 times as much money as them, doing the exact same job, okay? It was this brainwashing of corporate America, all right? I remember going to, like, industry events, okay? So, like, one of the big players in the industry I I was in is called Aeon. If you ever heard of Aeon Insurance, I I don't know. You'd have to kind of be in the industry to know. But they're a big, 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 multi-billion-dollar company, okay? I remember going to, like, a bowls game in a skybox that one of our mutual vendors was hosting and bringing all of us kinds of guys there. And like an account, somebody with like an account manager title, like thought she was above me because I worked for a little Northwest Comprehensive. It didn't matter that I was a CEO and it was my company. It was just like, yeah, okay, little guy. Or or, or the people that I worked with at my other company that the An I never worked at, but a company similar to that I did. I'm not going to say their name. But I'd see my peers there and it's kind of like, like this country club environment, like I'm not in the clique because I don't work at these places. I'm the one retiring when I'm 43. You know what I mean? Like like this is how it unfolded. So so I I think that was part of my motivation. I I do want to help people, I I really do. And especially now I want to help people. Right now I got the time to do it. I'm not laser focused on growing anymore. At that time in 2011, I definitely was. To, to the extent that I didn't even promote the damn book, you know, I didn't promote the damn book because I don't want my clients that I make it 80 grand a year off of to like think that I had any other focus than the book. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know how many books I would have to sell to replace five $80,000 a year clients if five of them left me over it out of out of all the ones I had, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think that I don't know if I, I, I get I get a little I, I don't know if that uh, digressed too much in, in answering your question. But, um, you know, it, it's. Uh, I'm glad I did it, man. I'm glad I did it because I tell you what, I read it now every once in a while. I didn't really pick it up for years. I read it now every once in a while. And the energy that I have in that book for those particulars, I don't really have anymore. I, well, I, I have it, but I see the world differently because I've kind of, like, got to the, you know, what I saw back then as the promised land. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm not... Like that passion, if I wrote it today, the tone would be so much different and it probably wouldn't be as good, quite honestly.
1: So you wrote this basically when you were in the middle of it all. Like, yeah. I feel like yep. everyone that is in the building phase or in the middle phase of whatever it is that they're building would benefit great. I, I want to read it to be quite. Thank right. you. Yeah, Thank like you. I, I, want I want to read, read it. it. I I, I, love, I love that building phase. I want to see like how you were thinking what yeah. made you decide this versus that? And, and how did you shift from this perspective to this perspective? And why did you yeah. do that? Like, that's the shit yeah. that I love. That's why I do these interviews, because it's so profound to hear from people that have risen from whatever circumstance they were in. And, have, and not only have become successful financially, but like you yourself, like I feel like as an individual, you have to change. Like you can't just be the same person that you right. were when you didn't have anything to the person that you are now that has everything. Like your perspective has to have some sort of change in significance in the way that you view the world. Like you even just said it, like if you were to write it now, it wouldn't have the same sizzle in, in cool. essence, right?
0: Yeah, and you, you articulated that much better than I just did. Thank you for saying that. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, <laughs> man. No, you're doing a great job, brother.
0: No. <laughs> um, and, 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 and I just wanna say, so, so the book, and I, I didn't even know we are gonna talk about my book today, but I'm gonna tell you what. I didn't know we were going to talk about it, but I have it sitting right here. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, um, I I will say this, though. It it is meant for that person in corporate America to help them evaluate leaving. And it's also encouraging you to not take like a Mark Cuban kind of approach. Hey, eat ramen noodles. Live in the backseat of your car till you get there. It's more of an approach saying, hey, man, unless you're inventing Facebook or something, just learn the industry working for somebody else paid mm-hmm. training view that time there as paid training and then it gets into the evaluation of how to know when you're ready to go out go go out by yourself so that's and, and actually I, I that, that that that
1: advice you. man that that's worth a million bucks like I, I yeah. if, if if this was me, I don't know. 15 years ago and I could write you a million dollar check for that advice. I would, because it's it's so pivotal, man. It is so pivotal. Like go work for somebody, learn the fucking industry, get paid while doing it, and then go do your own thing. Yep. Yep. Like how much simpler can you guys want? Like that is literally the ultimate formula. So if you're looking at wanting to get into insurance or sales or real estate or mortgage or building your own business around advertising, media, whatever, go get a job, work a nine to five, learn everything you possibly can, get paid, support your family, all the while, start building your side hustle slowly, but surely learning everything you need to do. I fucking love that, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. One last thing, one last thing before we got to let you go. I know we got about 15 minutes or so, but, um, something that I, I, I wanted, um, to, to, ask you what, what was like I don't know if you had a family throughout all this. I don't know if you were married, I don't know if you had children. Um but if you did or it, somewhere along the lines, like uh well let me ask you first. Did you have a family or were you having any like, were you married at the company. when yeah. I started my company?
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, it's funny. It it actually timed up hilariously. Uh, I had just gotten divorced and had a uh, uh, young young kid at the time. At, at the time? Yeah. Mm-hmm
1: and yeah. how how was that like um how did that affect you like you seeing your child um it,
0: it you know. was interesting timing i'm actually really good friends now with my my ex-wife and we, we kind of kid a little bit hey if you would have you would have waited a couple more <laughs> a couple more years you would have have that company uh we make a joke out of it There, her and her, her and her husband are actually really good friends of mine now we go to vacations together and everything oh shit that's well, that's great yeah. The co, like co That's I, I should write a book on co parenting and, and how to make it work. It's been a been a great experience, um, but from a, uh, from,
1: from a man's perspective, I think you should. I think that would be great because a lot of the stuff that comes out in that perspective is either written by a woman or a psychiatrist or psychologist of some kind, and it's nothing really practical. It's more based on theory.
0: Yeah. Wow. You know what? Yeah. Maybe, I'm, <laughs> maybe we'll see. Bro, um. Why not? Yeah. Um. i I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. It goes back to what I said earlier about about a calculated risk okay yeah and and one of the things that that had happened to me okay was that I stopped learning and growing in the environment I was in at the company that I worked for Okay. now simultaneous to this and unrelated I think at least gosh I never really thought about it this way I also got divorced I don't, I don't think those things had anything to do with each other, but maybe. Who knows? I, I, no, they, they definitely did not. It was two totally mutually exclusive things going on, and it really was. So any psychologist listening, don't don't try to draw a parallel. Well, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so um, it, it just so happened that I was getting a divorce at, at that time. Now, maybe some, somewhere mentally, though, I was like, yeah, hey, you know what? F it. Let's go. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of wonder sometimes if I would have stayed married. And that would have been enough for me and just having a family and, and um, gosh, keeping that job to keep that paycheck so we could plan a trip to Hawaii next year or, or whatever. I still had financial responsibilities to, to my daughter. You know what I mean? There were still things on the table that I needed to be, to be doing, but, but maybe somewhere subconsciously, Mo, um, I was like, you know, F it, man. Cause I don't have anything going on personally in that department right now, at least. That's that's occupying my passions. You know what I mean? Let's focus everything on your career. Mm -hmm. In focusing on my career. Okay, grow, 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 grow. Uh, These guys that are 40 and 50, I'm better at this job than they are. They've only worked here 30 years. I've worked here two, and uh, they're making 30 grand more than me. What am I doing? Okay? Get out. All right. So, 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 um, there might be a little bit of a stretch, but as I'm talking myself into it here out loud, um, you know, maybe that did play a role. Did you follow all that? I was kind of all over the place there.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I did. I did. I, uh, I, first of all, kudos to, uh, being able to, um, sustain a relationship, build a relationship and also have a current relationship with your wife that is co-parenting. Um, that, that's, that's a struggle for a lot of men. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know if, I don't know how I would do it, It, especially, I mean, it would have to be, I guess it depends on the circumstance, but like Mm -hmm. my kids mean absolutely everything to me. And I know how, how much of a struggle it is, especially during their early childhood when you're devoting so much time, like to building a business. Like, you know, I remember being locked up for 14 hours a day and my kids were growing up right in front of me. Um, it's not. It's not always the easiest thing, but you have to have that like perspective of, yeah, but I'm creating this life that I want, but I'm going to share it with my child or children, and they're going to be able to benefit from it long term. Yeah. You know? And yes. I think a lot of people forget that. Like, just because just because you're working your ass off doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a neglectful father or a neglectful mother. Like, we, we do it to... To, to have a better life and like, you know, and, and here's the other thing, man, that I wanted to share with you and I want your, uh, your stance on it. Like,
0: can I say I, one thing about what you just said? Yeah. Real quick? Yeah. yeah. I, I lost both of my parents in the, over the last few years, actually. Sorry I, to hear that, man. It sucks. Right. My dad was a high school football coach. Okay. He worked his ass off that all the time. All right. What I remember my dad for though, isn't missing time with him when I was five years old. I, I I remember, you know, as a kid, you only remember stuff that like like matters. You know what I mean? So yeah, maybe it sucked for my dad not seeing me when I was five, but my memory of him. Not once did I ever think about. Gosh, he was at the high school working on football seventy hours a week. Yeah, you know what I mean? And and it's just, it's just kind of funny. It's, it's it's as I'm older, I wasn't looking at it that way with with my daughter in two thousand five, but. Now I like look back and I see how I feel about my parents that are gone and any guilt that I would have ever had about time I, I did or didn't spend with, with my with my kids, at the end of the day, do you know you were a good dad? Do you know you were a good parent? Do your kids know you love them mm-hmm. and are operating in their best interest? I think really that's what's gonna matter at the end.
1: I couldn't have said it better myself I was just leading into saying which is exactly what you described which was being around your children and then being present are two very different things like you said to yourself you don't remember all the times that he wasn't there you remember the times that he was there because they made an impact That's because your dad was present and you being present in your children's lives that could be five minutes like think about it for a second like I've seen parents when I take my kids to the park on their fucking phones, while their kids are playing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, where are you at right now? Like, right. This, like this is 15 minutes of your day. You can't just connect with your children. Yeah, and listen to them, hey, Daddy. Look at me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the stuff that matters to them. And so, if you can give 100% attention to your kid or kids. Um, that is being present and doing what they want to do. Even if it's for five minutes a day, they're going to remember that five minutes a day versus a 12-hour, eight-hour day where you're just sitting there on the couch completely you know, ignoring them while you do work or on social media or watching television while they're on their iPads or they're playing by themselves. Like That's not being present. That's That doesn't matter, you physically being there. So I, I appreciate that. how how you phrase that. And uh, it's exactly what I wanted to say. And it's just, it makes all of the difference. Um, This is, this has been great, man. I, I, we got to have you back on. Like, this is awesome. Awesome. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm like, honestly, this has been very easy interview for me. And I, am surprised we haven't crossed paths sooner than this.
1: Yeah, totally dude. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Uh, where, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Is there anything that you're offering, um, that we could promote? right now yeah
0: well thank you for asking that not really and actually um i do post a lot of business uh related topics really only business related topics um at my uh instagram it's at john sarasani j-o-h-n-c-e-r-a-s-a-n-i a lot a lot of just practical advice as well as um Um, Things that are happening with with startup companies and people that are involved in them that that I encounter. And there's usually some kind of lesson at the end of each of my posts. But I I think what's different about my Instagram and a lot of people that you might see on podcasts like this in general, I'm not doing business coaching. I'm not doing really motivational speaking or anything. I I do have a book, but I don't really care if you buy it or not. Um, Well, I I, I care for your behalf if you buy it. But but, um, I'm not... You know, that's not what I'm about. I'm at this phase in my life where I have the time to put out some content um, that I think uh, that I think matters. So that's what's going on. I
1: I appreciate that. I got to say, John, um, that's exactly why you need to be producing content, Mm -hmm. because you are not a motivational coach. Mm -hmm. You're a straight talker and you're giving actual like actionable, tangible information that I can take with me today and I can go apply it immediately. That doesn't exist. Most of the stuff that we talk about, even the stuff that I talk about, like it, it's it's philosophical. Like we're just pontificating. We're not actually. It's not. It's not anything that is like here. Do this, and then this will happen. Um, like if you were to, okay, everybody listening, let's. I want John to get on TikTok. I really do, dude. If you were to, <laughs> just hear me out. Hear me out. If you just at, once a day. If you just busted out your phone, loaded up, open the app, hit record. You didn't do anything. Like, here's what's cool about TikTok. It doesn't. It does not favor. It does not favor like polished content. Like Instagram. Instagram, you know, wants to be polished, pretty, nice, neat, whatever. Post edited all that shit. TikTok, it's not. It wants to be granular. It wants to be raw unfiltered nonsense. Just whatever it is you have to say, you don't need to worry about captions, you don't need to worry about title tags, you need to worry about hashtags, any of that shit. Like, yes, it can benefit, but if you were just to take, once a day, you open up the app, you hit record, whatever was on the top of your mind that you felt could be valuable and it was 10 seconds or 20 seconds or 30 seconds long, and you did that, on a daily basis, in thirty days, I guarantee you have a hundred thousand followers. I fucking is believe that. It. How it is?
0: Uh, isn't that easy? All right.
1: I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. It's because right now the the organic reach is insane, yeah. and 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 like there's not enough of you, man. Like there's Bradley, mm-hmm. who does a little bit more, you know, n- no bullshit stuff. But like, mm-hmm. dude, mm-hmm. I mean, you're 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 like your come up story, your your diverse background. Like mm-hmm. you have the mentality of. Um, of an athlete and the discipline of an athlete and also the the money side thing the business thing the entrepreneur thing you, you're it's a very very cool package that you've got and i think that if you were to spend a few seconds just giving a tip and just publishing it and not doing anything other than that once a day i really think it would be beneficial to a lot of people and who knows it could build a, a bigger brand that you already have i'm just saying
0: All right. Everybody that's listening, by the time this airs, I think we're probably going to have, what, a week or two before it actually airs, Yep, yep, about 10 days, yeah. Maybe I'll have a TikTok account, so try it. Hell yeah, hell yeah.
1: I'm going to harass you on Instagram and then I'm going (laughs) to follow you and uh, watch your shit. All right, dude, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. This has been phenomenal. All right, stay in touch.
0: All right. right, bye now.